welcome to Eat the Scroll, University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and I'm so happy to have you here in spirit. You're not actually here, uh, but you know who is here? Sean Duncan's here. Here I am. Hey, Sean. Hi. We get together about twice a week to chew on God's word and encourage you, challenge you as we are experiencing in our own personal lives. Um, Sean, you have been teaching through, you're just finishing up Leviticus. I am. And so you've been in the laws. So our last episode was a lot of fun. If you guys missed that, go back and listen to it. If you've ever wondered how to apply an obscure law about oxen in Exodus yep, to New Testament believer, two, two, how many years? 4,000. 4,000 oh, 4, years 000, yeah. after it was written. Uh, go listen to that. So what do you got for us today? Maybe, maybe like 33. <laughs> All right, now, now I'm getting, I feel like someone's going to be like, you were wrong. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's like 33,000 years old. Not 33,000. No. 3,300 years. 3,300. Okay. Uh, all right. Same, similar vein as last time. Okay. So, so really, if you didn't listen to the last one, this one's going to be familiar feeling if you did, and it's going to be uh, a little more brief if yeah. you didn't. So if you yeah, want a little so bit more so. details, go back. Um, okay. So Old Testament law. Mm-hmm. We are new covenant believers Mm -hmm. and in the new covenant, in the new Testament, which is about the new covenant being made by the blood of Christ. um, Authors such as Paul say that all scripture (laughs) is, is breathed out by God. And it has been said, (laughs) it has been said before (laughs) that all scripture, including everything in Leviticus is breathed out by God and Mm -hmm. profitable for teaching reproof, reproof, correction and, and training in righteousness. So that, every person of God can be complete and mm-hmm. equipped for every good work. So Le- Leviticus, although its immediate original context was the old covenant mm-hmm. or the Mosaic covenant, uh, it's written to the people of Israel. It's written for us. Like the Torah is actually pointing forward towards the time of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, so these do have application for us. But like we talked about last time, first you have to understand the text in its original context and then from there, determining the theological foundation, as well as the love principle. If these phrases don't make sense to you, go back and listen to the last Yeah, you're episode, missing out. Okay. So <laughs> uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go through a little section of Leviticus. It's going to be uh, actually similar theological foundation and similar theological or a sim- a similar love principle as last time okay. I was on. But I just want to show a different version of how of how these things work. And actually, I want to show you why I'm convinced that Jesus loved Leviticus Ooh. and why you should too. Okay. Leviticus chapter six, starting in verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, if anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord, that's interesting. How so? By deceiving his neighbor in a matter of deposit or security or through robbery, or if he has oppressed his neighbor or it has found something lost and lied about it, swearing falsely. In any of all the things that people do and sin thereby, if he has sinned and has realized his guilt and will restore what he took by robbery or what he got by oppression or the deposit that was committed to him or the lost thing that he found or anything about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore it in full and shall add a fifth to it and give it to him to whom it belongs on the day he realizes his guilt. And he shall bring to the priest as his compensation to the Lord, a ram without blemish, 
without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. Wait a minute. There's something different about this text than there was in Exodus. Yes, it is a different well, law. <laughs> well, yes, but beyond that, there's a component of oh. this that wasn't present in Exodus. The sacrifice? The sacrifice. Yes, yep. So um, there, the Old Testament, the Torah, and, every, and everything else in the Old Testament, it's progressive revelation. Mm-hmm. So, so it's recounting an unfolding story. So things have changed since Exodus. In Exodus, they're at Mount Sinai, and Moses begins to get instructions for the tabernacle. But the way Exodus ends is the tabernacle has been set up. Mm. Leviticus is about all the cultic practice around and in the tabernacle. Hmm. So th- things have changed. Now we're not just at the foot of a mountain. Now we're around the tent. Yeah. So that's why there is an altar now for sacrifices to take place. Gotcha. Yep, so so God is slowly revealing himself and progressively inviting his people into relationship. But this is also kind of similar to the last one, right? Like mm-hmm. something has happened. Yeah, we've, some shenanigans. Like Chris has wronged Sean again. Again. <laughs> Stealing that cupcake. Okay, so just a few observations. Um, in verse two, the way the way God introduces this is he says, if anyone if anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord. Mm-hmm. Breach of faith, it's this term for like like infidelity, like breaking marriage, basically. Yeah. So so the metaphor, uh marriage is a is a a living metaphor for how God relates to his people through covenant. Mm-hmm. So right away, God is saying that these when when you sin in these ways, you are actually breaking your covenant with him yeah. for the people. But then the things that he lists, it's like you you deceive your neighbor. Or you exact interest on him, or you rob him in some way, or you find like the, they left their rake out mm-hmm. and you snatch it, <laughs> like without them even knowing it. You just <laughs> so steal. Nefarious. You steal their their rake yeah. because it's a nice rake, and you don't have one, and you don't want to go down to Lowe's. Yeah, uh, that's the scenario. And yeah. what God like categorizes that as, which we would think, oh, I'm sinning against my neighbor. Mm-hmm. God categorizes it as you are sinning against me and breaking our covenant. Right. Hmm. Interesting. You know, like love God, love your neighbors, the, mm. the first greatest commandment. And then the second one is like it. Uh-huh. How How is love your neighbor like love God? Well, right here, mm-hmm. this, this type of stuff. Right. Or in the Psalms when David does some pretty heinous sins and then he writes things like, Against you and you alone, O Lord, have I sinned. You're like, wait, uh, no. It, <laughs> I can I, ask a couple people. I was like, I think you definitely sinned against certain people. Yeah. You know, like Uriah, <laughs> who you took his wife yeah. and then sent him out into the battlefield to die. Mm-hmm. And then he says stuff like, against you and you alone have I sinned. Well, like he knows that he sinned against him. But I think also David probably liked Leviticus. So um, the kings are supposed <laughs> All right, this is a rabbit trail, but... <laughs> The kings were uh-huh. supposed to like work alongside the priests and sure. to learn Torah from them and to write a copy mm-hmm. of Torah for themselves. Levit- uh, Deuteronomy eighteen. So, there you go. so he's sitting there writing the psalm, and maybe he's got maybe he's got Leviticus open yeah. in front of him. He's just like, oh my gosh, I yep. sin, I sinned against God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like having that t- type of revelation. So, so all of these are categorized as breaking covenant and sinning against God. Mm-hmm. But then the things that are listed are like deceiving your neighbor in financial matters or just robbing them 
you know, either like you, you fudge a number like, oh no, that's actually a nine, <laughs> but it was a seven, you mm-hmm. know, just to get a little bit more money out of them. Uh, or you find something that actually belongs to them that they had lost. You know, like we're at, we're at church right now. Like maybe someone leaves a jacket here mm-hmm. on a Sunday and then you just find it in the auditorium. You're like, this is a pretty nice jacket. It's a nice jacket. And you throw that bad boy on and then the next Sunday they see you wearing it and they're like, hey, I think that's my jacket. You're like, no, actually I got this at Goodwill a few years ago. You know, you play one of those cards. <laughs> yeah. Pulling a fast one, you're lying. All right. Yeah. So there, there is this scenario. So all of these are if laws. Like mm-hmm. if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, then... So then the law comes in with the then. Mm-hmm. It's an if-then law structure. Yeah. So it's basically a case study. So uh, we get to verse four. If he has sinned and has realized his guilt and will restore what he took by robbery or what he got by oppression or deposit and was committed to him and lost the thing that he found or anything about which he has sworn falsely and he shall restore it in full and shall add a fifth to it and give it to him to whom it belongs on the day he realizes his guilt. So in other words, you've done something wrong and then you have that moment where you're like convicted of, I did something wrong. Yeah. You realize it. You feel guilty. Mm-hmm. So step one is give it back. Yeah. Like make it right. Like you realize that you're guilty against, against your neighbor. Okay. First go to them and give the thing back to them. And what's interesting is that you actually, um, you give an additional fifth. So you restore it to them and you give them a fifth. You're like, what's up with the fifth? And how do I know what a fifth is if I took your rake right. or your jacket? No details are given there. Mm-hmm. To see like this this law code, you wouldn't be able to like fully apply this. You don't know what a fifth of a rake is or the fifth of a jacket is. It just says give it a fifth. But the idea is that um, that not only are you giving it back to them, the thing that you took, but that fifth is then uh, covering the period of damage where they didn't have it. Mm. So that that's restorative justice here in Leviticus chapter six. Is there a piece at play that says in taking it, I actually took more than the rake, like relationally, uh, emotionally, I actually took something from you beyond. Right. Yeah. You damage one, you damage the relationship, Mm -hmm. but then for that period of time where they don't have that thing, like that is a period of damage Yeah, where there is an incompletion for them. So just giving back the item doesn't make up for that period of damage. Sure. So that's what the the idea of the fifth is. Mm-hmm. So you're you're bringing like holistic restoration to the, the situation, not just giving the item back. Yeah. Um. So you realize that you're guilty. You go and you give the thing back, and then verse six, and then he shall bring to the priest as his compensation or his payment um, to the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for for the guilt offering or his payment offering like recompense. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord and he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. So there's a two-step process. Did you catch it? Mm -hmm. All right. What is step one? Step one is you restore. I keep keep wanting to say reconcile. Um, Restore with a relationship plus your fifth. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the second, and, and what's the thing that like initiates that? The conviction. Yeah, yeah. You realize the recognizing. You realize that you're guilty. You mm-hmm. realize you did something wrong. Yeah. And then on that day, you go do that, and then you go buy a sacrifice mm-hmm. to pay for the other half, mm-hmm. which is that you sinned against God as well as man. Right, because wronging your neighbor isn't just wronging your neighbor. Right, it's breach a breach of faith against God. <sighs> that sounds so, extreme. Yeah, extreme. Yeah, what like 
I was about to drop a bomb on you, but now I'm curious about I'm where you're I'm super sorry. I didn't mean no, to derail okay. you. No, I was just thinking that this is, this might sound really radical to somebody. Mm. Like, are you, give me a break. Mm-hmm. Like, guy's a jerk mm-hmm. or I hate this person orc or whatever. And we make these excuses. Oh. But here in Leviticus, we're seeing. Oh, but that guy's not the jerk. You are. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Like the realization is I'm the jerk. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. the villain. Right. That's the realization. And it, for me, the linchpin is that this is a person made in the image of God mm-hmm. and you're supposed to function in a way that honors him and you broke that off. Right. So right. anyways, just to address that, who might be hearing these things in Leviticus and go, yeah. no, nah, it can't be that Yeah, so that you, already what you're doing, remember we talked about last time, the, the, so the theological foundation of mm-hmm. this, you even mentioned image of God. Like yeah. this is someone made in the image of God and I've, wronged them and when i wrong someone made in god's image i'm actually attacking not just the person but the one whose image they're made in which is a little scarier a little bit more intense and (laughs) and the love principle is reconciliation right Mm -hmm. go go make things right and then go offer the why 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 are you going offering the sacrifice to be reconciled to god Mm -hmm. relationally so all of this is about reconciliation yeah is the goal i wonder why Someone who I hold in very high regard said something like, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Is that an anonymous citation? That, that is Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. A Pharisee, Jesus right? Oh, himself, no. not a Pharisee. Jesus. What? Where did he get that idea from? Mm. Probably Leviticus. Probably Leviticus. All right. So uh, we'll wrap this up since we're, <laughs> we're a little past 10, 10 minutes. Matthew 5 verse 17. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is not opposed to the, the, the law and he is not contrary to the law. He mm-hmm. confirms the law. He clarifies the law. He's bringing it into its full clarity. Starting in verse 21, he says, you know, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, so here's him bringing his clarity to the text. I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, you're making a sacrifice. Mm Mm-hmm. And there you remember that your brother has something against you. In other words, you remember that you're the villain Mm -hmm. and you're guilty of something. You have that realization. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Mm. It is the pattern that we saw in Leviticus chapter six in those first few verses. So you you realize your guilt, restore, reconciled, then come and offer your sacrifice. There you go. Wow. So I'm inclined to say that Jesus loved Leviticus. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. Now, you got someone sitting down with you and they say, Sean, could be somebody like me, mm-hmm. but not me. And they sit down and they say, <laughs> this sounds like it's just something you want to say to me. <laughs> You're masking Hypothetically. it. Hypothetically, it's not me, not me that yeah. wants to say this to you, but <laughs> someone definitely does. So we don't make sacrifices, but in a sense, every day, but you know, namely on Sunday, we come and offer up songs of praise to God, mm-hmm. these kinds of things. How are we to interpret Jesus's words in relation to our worship? Should mm-hmm. we, you know, Sunday morning comes around, we're excited to go 
offer ourselves up to the Lord, mm-hmm. song of praise and obedience, et cetera. We stop, we get on the phone, we shoot a text message. What do you do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, one, we don't, our, our sacrifice or our worship isn't just a Sunday. Right. In Romans 12, 1, Paul says, now I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, right. aka a whole burnt offering, mm-hmm. holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So your whole life is an act of worship. And I think what both Leviticus and Jesus is trying to get you to see is that you you can't love Jesus and not obey Jesus. Mm-hmm. You can't love God and not obey God. So to, to go either in back in the day to go and offer a gift at the altar or to show up on Sunday and like want to worship God, but then not want to obey him. Mm-hmm. Those are actually contradictory things. So the Le- Levitical pattern that we did in Leviticus 6, first God introduces it as this is sin against me. Mm-hmm. Then what you read is it's sin against other people. Mm-hmm. So then the way to fix it is you reconcile with other people and then you reconcile with God because they're all linked together. Yeah, right. So I think Jesus would like push on us a little bit and say, um, you know, when you reconcile with people, you are worshiping me. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that is worshiping me. So at least in Jesus's words, he doesn't say when you bring your sacrifice, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this, this overabundant act of, of worship. So it'd be like, I don't know. It's not, not even a church thing. Maybe, maybe Chris, you're like, Oh, I just, I can't wait for Wednesday to roll around. Cause I'm going to go down. I'm going to um, help the homeless at, mm-hmm. at, at the mission. I'm going to do all that. Like this story. Better. But then you're like, you just, you yelled at your wife all week and you never <laughs> said, sorry. Yeah. You know, it'd be like one of those scenarios yeah. where it's just like, well, like, yeah, you're doing this for Jesus, but are you doing this for Jesus? Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like one of those it, to, to, to want to worship Jesus wholeheartedly, but then not to um, take him out as word and be reconciled to each other and these type of things. It'd be like telling your spouse you love them, but then sleeping with other people. Right. Like they just, they don't work together. So um, practically, you know, showing up to church on Sunday and you're like, oh gosh, I have so much to apologize before I can worship. I, I think you're, you're missing the point. I, mm-hmm. I don't think Jesus is literally saying you can't sing a song sure. until you, you deal with these things. But those things are worship mm-hmm. and you can't ignore either of them. You can't, you can't, you can't just be reconciled to people, but then not sing those songs of praise. And you can't just sing those songs of praise and not be reconciled to people. So they go hand in hand together. That's part of the dance of faith. Yeah. Yeah. yeah akin to someone saying, I love Jesus, hate the church. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't, yeah. that doesn't follow. Like, hey, I really like you, but I hate your wife. Like, oh, well, we have problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's this not, was really fun. That's not going to work for <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, another incredibly practical example from Leviticus this yeah, time. there you go. Which is probably one of my most frequently visited, you know. <laughs> it should be. It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, but it's always encouraging, you know, when you sit down and we get to open up the text and you offer up insights, especially in these obscure places that people aren't necessarily drawn to. Yeah. So, Yeah, and I think encouragement for everyone listening, it's like, we're not actually arriving at destinations that we can't find in the New Testament. Yeah. But what I'm trying to help us see is that the Old Testament and New Testament are holistic in nature. Like they're working together. They're not contradicting each other. They're not opposing each other. Like it's all one flow, one stream from beginning to end, one inspired author, capital A author, which is God himself. And what we can see throughout the covers of, of the Bible is 
we can see the application of these theological foundations and these left principles in different contexts, mm-hmm. which gives us wisdom about our own context and how to apply it. Right. So good. So good. Well, hopefully you guys will pick up a Bible reading plan yeah. to get through Le- Leviticus. Or just hop into the Bible Project. Jump class. into Bible Project. It's a great idea. You get Sean every Sunday and <laughs> yeah. then you get to go to your sermon. Well, it's easier. We want them to Do- want to come. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes other people teach too. Now, um, thank you, Sean, for cutting some time out of your day to bring this to me and to you the bet. people listening. So listener at home, read Leviticus and we will catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.
our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.